begins at Calvary. Everything God gives us comes to ca at Calvary. That is a wonderful thing. So, <laughs> if you bear the cross, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. First thing in the Christian life, he died on that cross. We also must climb on our cross and be crucified as well. He did not just simply die. We must reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. The old man must be crucified. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6. The old man is to be crucified with Christ. It's not enough just to come to an altar and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And we walk out not changed. Our lives need to be changed. The old man needs to be crucified. We need to be alive in Christ. But you can't be alive in him until you die with him. Bear in my body the dying of Jesus. It was sacrificial love. I must make a sacrifice of myself. The Bible tells us in Roma and Galatians chapter 5, 23, they that are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Have a problem with your flesh? Then crucify it. Put it to death. I know there are individuals who will tell you and they'll preach to you and you'll read it. They'll say that we, 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 we have to struggle because there's a war against the flesh and the spirit and these two are contrary one with another and we're just going to have this war with the flesh. Paul said that's their experience. He's not telling them that that is to be their continuous experience. He tells them the reason why they're doing that is because they're fighting and devouring one another. If you're at odds with one another, if you're envious at one another, if church members are fighting one another, then they're going to have a problem with their flesh. Amen. And Paul says, that's what you're doing. You're warring against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit, and these two are contrary. Well, how do you do it? It's not trying to live in peaceful coexistence or struggling with it all the time. Put it to death. Put the flesh to death. That's what he says. They that are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. The Bible tells us that uh, uh, mortify, therefore, the deeds of your body. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. There comes a time that we need to put to death. We don't need to be strung out on sin and pornography and evil. We need to put it to death, praise God. Our bodies are not to be servants to sin. They're to be instruments of righteousness. Once we put him to death, that's what Jesus says. He tells us. He prays for our sanctification in John chapter 17. He tells about, he talks about, sanctify them. I'm going to sanctify myself too. Now sometimes when we think about sanctification, what we think about is separation. That's a simplistic nature, but that's true. That's our position that's our position in Christ is separated. Uh, when uh, At the cross in our, in our conversion, we've been separated unto Christ. It's not separated from the world to God. It's separated unto God from the world. The Bible tells us to turn to God's That's the problem with a lot of people. They're turning from their sins, but they're not captivated by God. Turn to God. Once you're captivated by Jesus, once you're captivated by the love of God, it's not hard to give up your idols. But if you love your idols and you're trying to turn to God, holding on to your idols, you'll never make it. What you need to do is get your eyes on Christ and behold His goodness. Be captivated by the love of Christ. Woo! <laughs> And then and if, once you are turned to him, you have your problem with this flesh. The Bible talks about, oh, but Romans chapter 7, that talks about a present experience we have, you know. That he talks about in that situation, he's dealing with those who are trying to mind God by the law, to obey the law. If you tried through your mind to obey the things of God, knowing it's good, while at the same time your body is wanting to do what is evil, I'll tell you what will happen the flesh will win every time. But the Bible tells us in that last verse that we don't want to talk about, that next to the last verse, 
He tells us, who can deliver me from this body of death? Who can deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be unto Jesus. There's therefore no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Praise the Lord. There is victory over the desires of the body. You do not have to be bound by sexual passions. You don't have to be bound by anger and grief. You don't have to be bound by hatred. You can be set free by the power of God. To identify with Jesus means that I put to death my self-interest and I put to death my flesh. Some people have a problem with the world they live in. Yes, they do. They do. I have a problem because they want to be like the world. The Bible clearly tells us how we are to relate to the world. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Jesus says, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. There's victory over the world. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory overcomes the world, even our faith. And in Galatians chapter what, 6, verse 14, I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. Yeah. Why? Because the cross. I'm crucified by the cross. I'm crucified unto the world. And the world is crucified unto me. Yeah. Take away the cross. And you take away the reproach. The world will gladly receive everything you do if you will not push the cost of the cross. But there is a cost. Take up the cross and follow me. Oh, praise the Lord. And the cross there is not financial burdens. Some people say, I got a cross and, and my cross is cancer or, or a sickness or my loved ones or my family members. I got such a burden a cross to carry that is not the cross Christ is talking about the cross that Christ is talking about is the cross that will put self to death his crucifixion it is death it is dying it is dying to self it is dying to the desires of the body. It is desire. It is dying to the world we're dead to the world and the world's dead to me one dead corpse well, if it's corpse, it's dead, isn't it? Well, one corpse, another corpse, this one that's dead doesn't look over here and say, hey, fella, how you feel? Oh, I feel pretty good. I feel dead. Dead people don't talk to each other. Did you know that? <laughs> and if the world is dead to us and we're dead to the world, why are we trying to be on talking terms? Come on. We're not in this world to be respected we're in this world to be redemptive. Yeah. We're not here to follow them. We're here that they will follow us. Yeah. Follow us. We'll take you to Calvary. Amen. Follow us. We'll take you to the tomb. Follow us. We'll take you to Pentecost. Yeah. Follow us. And praise the Lord. You'll have an abundant life in Christ Jesus. The world will pass away. But the love of God will not pass away. Amen, 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 amen. I don't know, but I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm happy tonight. That's true. They did. Yeah, they do. They do. We think it's okay. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because people got talent, they think that they're going to just show it off to the world. We're not there. Our talent is to be given to the Lord, not to the world. Yeah. And what we do, I remember an individual saying, you know, they've done talents and they sung songs and paraded themselves in bathing suit and said, isn't it wonderful that a Christian has uh, got talent and the world likes them? No. That's not ours. It's not ours. No. We're to be found in him, <laughs> in him alone. When we become dead to ourselves, when we become dead to the flesh, when we become dead to the world, 
What else is there to be dead to? Did you know the only way the devil can get to you? He can only get to you in one of two ways. He'll get to you through the world or he'll get to you through your flesh. It was the world that was around them that the devil used to get to Adam and Eve. And they saw that it was good to eat. It was lovely to behold. And it would make them wise as, as God. So they took it. That's what the devil wants. If we are dead, if our flesh is dead, we have no self-interest because our interest is dead and we are dead to the world, then what is the battlefield? The battlefield is fighting against principalities and powers. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Most Christians struggle with their flesh. Most Christians struggle with the one that's in the mirror. That gives us problems. If the devil can keep you fighting yourself, if the devil can keep you fighting your feelings, if the devil can keep you fighting the world that's around you, then he's got you preoccupied. You will never fight the powers of darkness. Some people get up, the devil's been after me all day, and the devil hasn't been a hundred miles nearer. All they've been doing is having problems with themselves, having problems with their own thing, and they've never had real problem with the devil. I want you to know, when that early church came out of that upper room, they were dead to self, they were dead to the flesh, they were dead to the world. And the only thing that was there is the powers of darkness. Persecution came. When hypocrisy came in the church, God dropped them dead to keep them pure. It was a church that said, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. Amen. They didn't get up and say, you know, I got a problem. Their person didn't get up behind the pulpit and said, please excuse me. I'm a man just like other men, and I have desires just like them, and I've fallen, but the Lord has forgiven me. Hogwash. We need men who are strong in the Lord. Granted, we have those who fall. That is true. But it's not to be all of us. And I want you to know not all preachers, you hear me tonight, not all preachers, Look at pornography. Not all preachers love this world. Not all preachers serve themselves. They give themselves unto the Lord. They may not be known by others, but God knows where they are. And they serve the Lord where God had placed them. Give us holy men. That's first identifying with him. Christ said, I'm going to be crucified. I mean sanctified. Sanctification is a separation from the world. They said, you're already separated. Jesus said, sanctify them. Sometimes we talk about sanctification as a cleansing. In John 15, he said that they're already sanctified. I mean, already cleansed. If they're separated and they're cleansed, and that's the two primary things about sanctification. God set aside the, the sanctified the first day, you know, the seventh day. That's the word sanctified there. And he sanctified the seventh day and made it holy that's the first use and it was that which is set aside sanctification is being set aside they applied the blood and the water and the air was sanctified and sanctification can be a cleansing from sin true but Jesus didn't need to be separated and Jesus didn't need to be cleansed and he's saying sanctify I'm going to sanctify myself and, I, and, and that's what I want them to sanctify whatever Jesus was praying is our high priest Concerning believers' sanctification. It's not separation and in not cleansing. It's a sanctification that he himself did. And the Bible tells us in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, I think about verse 12, or 12, 13. It tells us that in order to sanctify the people, he suffered outside the gate. And let us go unto him. Notice, Jesus consecrated. The root word for sanctification is consecration. Yeah. Jesus consecrated himself to crucifixion. He gave himself to the cross. Does the Bible talk about crucifixion to us? Yes. The old man is crucified. The self is crucified. Flesh is crucified. The world is crucified. We're to mortify our body. Yes, that's the sanctification that's talked about. It's the provision that God has given to every one of us. We need, if we got problems, we need to nail it to the cross. Yeah. Amen. 
identify with him. But we're also raised body. Our identification is not just crucifixion, it means also resurrection. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. I don't, I don't stay dead all the time. I die that I might live. Yeah. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Yeah. The resurrected life is Christ living in me. I died with him. I raised with him. Now my life is in him. The Christian life is not only a crucified life, it is also a resurrected life. We are raised in Christ, in newness of life. Therefore, Paul says in Colossians, we're to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're hid in Christ. No, you're hitting God in Christ Jesus. We're hid in Christ, in God. In order for the devil to get to us, he had to get through God. In order to get through God, he had to get through Jesus because we are now hid in Christ, in God, in Christ. So he's got to come through God, then he's got to come through Christ, and then when he comes to me, what's he got? A dead man. What do you do with a dead man? You can't do nothing with a dead man unless you can raise him. And that's what temptation is. Temptation is the devil's suggestion to resurrect the old man, to go back to the old files, to do what you used to do, satisfy him. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you. You see, we bear in our body the dying of Christ. We die with him all the time. Amen. When I got married, I've been married now. It'll be 50 years come August the 15th. There was never a day in my life when I woke up that I was not married after I got married. Did you know that? You said, well, yes, Douglas, that's, that, that's simplistic. I wish every man would live that way. I wish every woman would live that way who are married. Some get up and say, I don't want to be married anymore. Hello? Got to go through a lot of trouble and heartache to break it. When we came to Christ, we were married to him. We made a covenant with him. And whenever I wake up, I'm Christian. And if I'm anything other than that, I have to break it. I have to tell him no. And he'll haunt me all the days of my life because the backslider, the way the transgressor is hard. Amen. Resurrected life. We're in him. We live our life in him. And it's an abundant thing. The third thing is that we're an ascended life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 that we that have been raised with him and ascended. We are Christ in the heavenly realm. Our Christian life is not only a, uh, a crucified life, but it's also a resurrected life, living the life of Jesus. Now, his life in us. As he is, so are we. We need to let that be the truth in our life. Christ living in us. It's not our life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen. And then we're ascended with him. Ascended. Where? At the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1. Makes mention that, that exceeding power to, uh, to us. That same power that raised him from the dead and put him at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and made him head over the church or to the church of, uh, for all things, who's the fullness, the church is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then in chapter 2, he tells us that we've been raised with him and now ascended with him. Our position of authority is that we sit at the right hand of the Father. That's our position of authority. We sit. Ephesians talks about sitting, walking, and standing. We sit with him. We walk with him. We stand with the full armor of God against the powers of darkness. Amen. That's our life, our calling, our conduct, our conflict. But now we have ascended with him. 
Not only am I crucified with him, not only have I identified in his resurrection, but we actually sit with him. Now, we have a young man who's not with us tonight for, uh, for our reasons, you know, for study and so forth, or for training. Kevin's a police officer. He's a deputy sheriff, is he not? And if he's willing, praise the Lord, may be made sheriff. When the sheriff, we lose the sheriff now. Anyway, oh, he may not want him. But, you know, he goes everywhere. He's got a suit on. He's got a gun. Walks around. And you know when you see him in his uniform, he's a police officer. That's right. He goes around in his car. But he has a headquarters. There's a sheriff's office, isn't it? They work from there. They're not there all the time. But that's where their authority is seated in this county. Physically, I am not with him on that, crawl, on that uh, throne. And you aren't either. But that's our place of authority. We work from there. We live from there. Glory. Our strength, our power, our energy comes from there. And if we're confident that we have his authority, we act and behave accordingly. Now there are bad there are bad officers, there are bad policemen, but that doesn't do away with the power of the sheriff. Doesn't do away with the power of the president or the power of the mayor. You see, we have executive. There's the president. There's the mayor. And then in the county, there comes the sheriff. These are elected individuals, not appointed ones. We have been, we have been elected by God. He is. He has chosen us. We've gone to Calvary. He has made us one of his. We've got a sacred nobility. We're saints, praise God. Amen. And if that be the case, then why is it? That we go around and we let the devil uh, run us ragged. Why is it that we let the world around us pull us down? Why is it that we let our feelings go on our shoulders and we don't seem to live the life that we are to? We are to understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I've saw those fellas before in their cars. Matter of fact, one of them over in Daresville pulled behind me twice today. I had to take my dog to get him uh, washed for travel tomorrow. Then I had to go somewhere, check the van out. And lo and behold, two pulled up behind me. And you know what I did? I looked in the mirror and see if he's going to turn his light on. He didn't turn his light on. Hmm, that's good. Both of them just passed me by. I wasn't doing anything that I knew of. Now, I could have been going faster than what I should have because I wasn't looking at the speedometer. But they just passed me by. But did you know when that little red light goes on, most people respect the law and they pull it over. Do you know those men are brave? They'll pull their car and they'll stand in front of their car and they'll put their hand out and a semi-tractor trailer truck that could plow him and his car over will come to a screeching halt. Why? Not because he can stop them, but because all the authority of the American government is behind him. And when we stand like we are in Christ Jesus, all the power of hell must stop. Why? Because all the authority in heaven is behind us. Why is it that we weak, live weak and anemic and we struggle with our flesh and our temptation? It's because we do not understand. We sit with Christ in the heavenly realm. We have the authority of the Lord behind us. We are to exercise our authority. Fourthly, the Christian life is a life in which we are empowered. You be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, 
Yes. Well, you will be. He said, he told them, you will not be, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. They were. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that when the Messiah comes, the full anointing of the Lord will be upon him, a sevenfold anointing. And then he tells us that servants as well will be filled. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Isaiah 52 verse 15 tells us that the Spirit will come from on high. The Spirit will be poured out from on high. Jesus quotes that, but he doesn't use the word Spirit. He uses the word power. And he's received power. Power. Oh, praise the Lord. Endued with power from on high. That phrase from on high comes from Isaiah 32, 15. But there it speaks of the Spirit. But in Luke it refers to power. Uh, that's what the Spirit does. He comes with power. Amen. Ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Or ye shall receive power. Not many days hence. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. The Christian life is a life in which we're filled. He was filled with the Spirit. And we too need to be filled with the Spirit. There's that commandment that I mentioned at the beginning. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled. Continuously being filled with the Spirit. Now there are those who would tell us that being baptized is not the same as being filled. And they will say that baptism of the Holy Ghost is being baptized into the body of Christ. And therefore we Pentecostal people have got it wrong because the baptism of the Holy Ghost is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 that the Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. So there's no such thing as an individual baptism for every one of us because we are all by the Spirit baptized into the body of Christ. But they say you can be filled with the Spirit. Trying to cut the cord with we Pentecostal people when it comes to being baptized. There are three baptisms primary in the, in the church, I mean in the Bible. Water baptism. Baptism in the body. And baptism in the Spirit. In water baptism, the believer is the candidate. The preacher is the... Uh, Baptizer. And the water is the element. And we are baptized by the minister into the water. Notice, he lays us down because we have been buried with him to be raised in newness of life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then there's being baptized into the body. That takes place at conversion. The element that we're being baptized in is the body of Christ. The candidate is the believer. But who is the baptizer? The Spirit is the baptizer. The, ba the, the Spirit will baptize you into the body of Christ. That's body baptism. And that's what Ephesians says. One baptism. One body. One Spirit. It is the Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. But then there is baptism in the Holy Ghost. The believer is the candidate. The element is the spirit. And the baptizer is Jesus. He will come and baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We ain't got it different. We haven't got it mixed up. Being filled with the spirit on the day of Pentecost when they were baptized, they were filled with the spirit. Read Acts 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That commandment in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 is a present sense. Be continuously full of the Spirit of God. It indicates that there was a time, a definite time when you were filled. The commandment to be filled indicates that there is a time when you were filled. Glory. Praise the Lord. And Paul wanted them to know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we now never heard whether they be a Holy Ghost or not. Then to what then were you baptized? Uh, we were baptized under John's baptism. No one you hadn't heard of the Holy Ghost. Because if you've heard of the Holy Ghost, if you're baptized, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, they hadn't heard about the Holy Ghost. They hadn't heard of it. 
Notice, Paul understands that it's possible for you to believe in Jesus and not yet receive the Holy Ghost. And you receive the Holy Ghost. King James says after, others says when. Okay, when? Makes no difference. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? They were, if it's automatic, the question would have been nothing. Why would he ask the question if you were automatically filled with the Spirit when you were saved? The Bible tells us that Pentecostal experience, the word is, uh, ideal is receive. Receive the Spirit. And they had not yet received the Spirit. When Peter and John went down to Samaria, they had not yet received the Spirit. But they had been baptized and had put their faith in the Lord. Jesus tells us as believers that we should ask the Father for the Holy Ghost. Believers asking for the Holy Ghost. Let's get our theology a little straight. Because you see, the importance is that God wants us to identify with his son. We are prophesied. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. The spirit of God will be upon us. The kingdom of God ought to be a kingdom that is in real righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, what does all of this have to do with Ephesians chapter 3? You thought I've lost it, didn't you? You thought that I took a detour. I did. I told you I had a lot of things on my mind. I've taken a detour. But I'm back to Ephesians. Because notice, he prays that the Spirit will strengthen us. Yes. We need the Spirit to strengthen us. Amen. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Yes. If I identify with him and all my identification is by faith, I die with him in faith. I've been raised with him in faith. I've ascended to him in faith. I've received the Spirit in faith. If the Christian life is a life in which we live by faith, then we need the Spirit of God to strengthen our inward man so that we that have begun in the Spirit will not wind up in the flesh. We need the inward man fortified. Fortified, praise God. I had a mother-in-law, precious lady, Opal was. Maybe one day we'll get to see her. It'll be wonderful. The two Opals will be able to sit together. My mother's opal, her mother's opal. <laughs> oh, she could fix the best cinnamon rolls. If I have an earthly appetite when I get there, she'll certainly fix me some. Living with people precious with us is a part of our life. It's a part of the life of Jesus as well. Life consists of relationships. You begin in faith and you trust one another in faith. And if we, as God's people, enjoy one another's fellowship and comfort, we ought to be able to enjoy the comfort of Jesus and live our life in faith. But oftentimes, having started in faith, we wind up in the flesh. So he tells us to fortify the man. My mother-in-law, she used to send me Christmas gifts. Every Christmas, the same. She'd put it in a box, and then she would wrap it around. She'd get these tape that has these uh, uh, strings in it, you know, a little twine. 
She'd wrap it around, Sister White, this way and then that way. And it's all on it. That's it. She'd send us pecans. It'd be the same thing. You had to take a knife to get into it. And I told her, I said, Opal, you don't have to put it that way. She said, I'm going to make sure the contents don't get, in, don't get broken. I'm going to make sure. Now, when the scripture talks about the spirit fortifies the inward man, it's that kind of fortification. Now, notice he wants Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. He wants the love of Christ to dwell in us. And he wants us to have the fullness of God. In order for us to have the fullness of God, in order for us to experience that love of Christ, and in order for us to continue in faith and not wind up in the flesh, our inward man needs to be fortified. Yes. Needs to be strengthened. Right. If you get a cannon, you make it bigger, longer, so the projectile, the ball, will go further. We're weak. How can the fullness of God dwell in this mortal body? How can the height, the depth, and the breadth of God, how can it pass understanding that I may experience it? How can my life that I live be continuously by faith when I'm bombarded by the flesh and by the world and everything around me? We need to be fortified. That Pentecostal experience, that spirit of God can strengthen our inward man. Now, if you think that I'm talking about something else or it's something else he's talking about, look at it because he says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ooh. I need to be fortified. The inward man needs to be fortified so that I'll continuously live by faith. I need to be fortified inwardly so that I may not leave the love of God. Paul prays this prayer to the church at Ephesus and says... That you may know his love. Later on they'll get another letter from Christ. And he says you left your first love. They did not get fortified by the spirit. And now the fullness of God. Why? Why would he do this? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. This blows my mind. I had a good English teacher in my 12th grade in high school, Mrs. Ryder. She said, you cannot have a superlative describing a superlative. There can only be one best, you can't be two best. There's good, better, best. There's no bestest. Superlative cannot describe a superlative. But this does. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding. Wow. Exceeding. Then he says abundantly above all. Notice what we ask to think. God is able to do what we ask or think. Get that in your sanctified mind. And when you go to God and you ask Him, don't let the devil come and tell you that you can't do it and God's not going to do it. Hold fast and steadfast because God is able to do everything you ask and all that you think of. Some of us think grander thoughts. Some of us think about revival. Some of us think about our loved ones getting saved. Some of us think about this and that. Oh, praise the Lord. But we don't want to share it. We don't want to tell it. We're afraid if we tell somebody, they'll think we're crazy. And sometimes when we go to prayer, we don't even tell the Lord what we think about. We won't give Him the depths of our heart and what we want Him to do with our children and our family and our church. Sometimes we just won't verbalize it. We keep it to ourselves. But he's able to do everything you asked. And he's also to do what you think. And he's able to do it all. That's what it says. Notice. Ask, think, all. 
Do it all that you ask or think. And then he can do above all. Now, I don't know about above all. Because here you got in superlative with an all. And that will be okay. Mrs. Ryder, she would tell you, you could put all, all here, and then above all. But that's as far as you can go. You can't go any further than above all. No way. If you're, uh, if you're above all, you're above all. What's above all? What's above? Above. Mm -mm. And here, he says abundantly above. I don't know where that is. And you don't either. God is able to do what you ask or think. He's able to do it all. He's able to do it above all. He's able to do it abundantly above all. Now I'm out there somewhere that I don't know where I am. And then to add insult to my intelligence, he's able to exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Now you tell me, where are we? We are lost in the infinite power and presence of God Almighty. Amen, amen. And then he brings us down to where we are. How is he going to do all this? According to the power that worketh in us. We need to identify with him. We need to be crucified. We need to live a resurrected life. We need to live an ascended life. We need to live an empowered life. And what we need today is to be strengthened by the Spirit in the inward man. There was a time in the church where shouting and praising the Lord would be sufficient. The worst thing in school when I went to is that you pulled the ponytails of the girl in front of you. That would get you in trouble. Or Throw spitballs. Yeah. Fix you a little funnel with the paper. Make you some spitballs. Or take you some rubber bands. Yeah. That's about the worst thing we did in school. We never thought about bringing a gun and killing our teacher. We never thought about bringing drugs. We never thought of such things. Never thought about boys wanting to go to the girls' bathroom. Never thought of such things. Who in their right mind? We live in a worse world than the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And our worship must be of such presence, such power, such glory, such honor, that the Spirit of God strengthening us, that we can face the world that we live in. Amen. We have those that are drunk. We have those that are caught out in drugs. We have all kinds of problems. Problems that we didn't have 50 years ago. We need the Spirit of God to strengthen our inward man. So that Christ may dwell in faith. If the Spirit of God does not strengthen our inward man, we will not live by faith. We will live by our energy. We will determine that our programs, whatever it is, we will minister to their carnal needs. If necessary, we'll have this movie and that movie and this program and that program, this dance and that dance, so that we can draw them. Why? Because we are not strong enough in the faith of God to reach them. We need to be strengthened by the Spirit that we 
may live by faith. And if the Spirit doesn't strengthen us that we may know the love of Christ, then we will be carnally loving people. When you know the love of Jesus, the man in the pulpit will love them as mother and sister. It's a terrible thing for a man to run off with his sister. But we don't have any problem in the church of a preacher running off with a secretary. If they knew that they were members of the family, if they had the love of Christ abiding in their lives, such things would not take place. And if the Spirit would strengthen our inward man, we can have the fullness of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful that in every service we come, the place would be filled with the presence of the Lord? Wouldn't it be wonderful that when we gathered together, we wouldn't have to have somebody to coach us, but that we would sing and make melody with our hearts unto the Lord? Wouldn't it be wonderful that when we come to worship, we would greet each other with a smile, with a brother and sister hug, that we would be able to say it's good to be in the house of the Lord? Wouldn't it be wonderful if when we came, we put, we put everything outside and everything that we would think about would be nothing but the Lord and the presence yeah. of God would be dear as we draw draw nigh to him he would draw nigh to us and as we sing and lift our voices in praise all of a sudden the place is filled with the presence of God sinners are convicted God touches men bodies are healed broken hearts are mended how can that happen the power that worketh in us will strengthen us that we may do so urgent need of the day Lord help me as I close I thank you for being so attentive the urgent need for today is that God's people be strengthened by the spirit of God in that little talk it talks about the glory and later on, through his power, that, that uh, through Christ, the, glory, the church will glorify Christ throughout ages. The greatest way in which we can glorify God is to identify with Jesus in his crucifixion, in his resurrection, in his, in, in his ascension, in his endowment of power. The greatest thing that we can do to glorify God to be strengthened and continuously filled with the Spirit of God. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Because we need to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened. Let us stand. end of World War II the Japanese emperor was defeated he was considered their god and the god of America won and the Japanese wanted to know the god of the Americans and they requested would you tell us and teach us your God? MacArthur said, China needs missionaries and Bibles in their language. More than anything else, we must give them Bibles because they want to know our God.
we didn't. So they studied us. And looking at America, they found that the American God was a work ethic. They saw how we worked and how we diligently did. Japanese are not very creative. But they can take what is made and adapt it and make it better. And they took the work ethic, considering that work was the American God, and they incorporated it in their culture, and they retained their pagan gods, because our God was work. Muslims are everywhere. They're being displaced in Europe and in America and all across the world. They will not assimilate. They're afraid of the gospel of Christ. But they're in a new world, in a new place. And if we will live the fullness of God and Christ live in us, they will know that Allah is nothing. Jesus is everything. Amen. Amen. But if we continue to live our immoral life, if we continue to play our church and continue to talk about Jesus and not worship him, they will hold on to their religion and they will dominate us. And if Christ does not come, if the, if the Muslim religion is not the, the religion of the Antichrist in the tribulation period, then we're headed for a dark age if Christ doesn't come. What we need to do is say, Lord, strengthen our inward man. Let me live by faith. Let me be motivated by love. Let me have the fullness of God in my life. And we can change our country. And we can evangelize our world. It's time to pray. And as I asked you before, I wish you'd do it again, please. Ladies to your right, men to your left.